All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Eaglebrook Church. Really good to have you with us today. If you're brand new, uh, we normally don't have a pool on the platform behind us. It's because today across our nine campuses, we're going to be baptizing hundreds and maybe thousands of people. Now, I just got to let you know that when I was growing up, I didn't go to church. And I remember seeing a baptism for the first time, and I thought it was so weird. Think about this. Somebody steps into the water. Another person walks up and dunks them under the water. They come up, wipe the hair from their eyes, get the water out, and they go, yes, like they won the Super Bowl or something. I thought if somebody did that to one of my kids at the lake or the pool, I'd call the lifeguard or the police. And they're acting like they won the Super Bowl. But here's what I've realized as I've looked at baptism over the years. This is not the Super Bowl. This is better than the Super Bowl. That there is nothing more important then when a human being comes to know God and they publicly declare that to others, that is what baptism symbolizes. I want to begin today by asking you a question. Have you ever had a time in your life where you had a divine encounter? What I mean is, has there ever been a time where you were sitting in church and it was like the message was just for you? You might be sitting around a thousand other people, but it was like, oh boy, God is speaking right to me right now. Or maybe you were going through a situation in life and another person came into your life at just the time you needed them and they helped lead you to church or back to faith in Christ. I don't believe those are a coincidence. God is always pursuing us. We can try to run from him. We can try to ignore him. But even when you don't expect it, God will send somebody into your life and it will be a divine encounter. About 13 years ago, my wife met a 19-year-old mom at Target. This mom had a daughter who was about the same age as our son, and so they started talking, and they ended up exchanging phone numbers. I can't even comprehend that. I have never met some dude at Target, <laughs> just got to talking and said, let's hang out sometime. I don't even want to do that, by the way. Okay, If you see me at Target, you're not getting my phone number. My head's going to be down, I'm getting what I need to get, and then I'm getting out. Anyway, the mom never called, but two years later, we got some new neighbors in a rental property behind ours. And so my wife went over to introduce herself, and she realized it was the mom she had met at Target two years before. She still had my wife's cell phone number in her phone. And that's when we started to realize, maybe this isn't a coincidence. Maybe this is a divine encounter. A few months later, my wife went over to invite this mom to church, and right away she goes, oh, yes, I've been wanting to go to church. She said, I saw a commercial for one on TV, and I thought, I need to go, God. Who does that? Who sees a commercial for a church and thinks, yes, Lord, you're speaking to me right now. And how many commercials for churches do you see on TV? I mean, I don't really see it that often. But God was working in her life. Right away, she said, you know, I'm not even sure I believe in God, but I think this would be good for my daughter. And wouldn't you know it, but God didn't have her there just for her daughter. She came to Eagle Brook, and during that first service, she just cried. A few months later, she called my wife on the phone, first words out of her mouth, I need God. Since then, she's put her faith in Christ, and a few years ago, she wrote my wife a note that said, thank you for helping lead me to Christ. I am forever and eternally grateful. 
This was a young mom who lost her father to suicide at the age of 13, who had alcohol issues and lots of anxieties in her life, who was trying to raise her on her daughter with her on and off again boyfriend all at the age of 19. Today she's in her 30s. She married that boyfriend. I officiated their wedding. They have six kids with one another. And she is one of the most godly, faith-filled people that I know. How does that happen? It was a divine encounter. All of it, moving in next door, meeting at Target, seeing the commercial on TV, coming to church, hearing about Christ, all of it was a divine encounter. Here's a thought for you today. What if God is pursuing you? You say, I don't think so. I just kind of came to church today with a friend. I come to this church whenever I can. I don't really feel that close to God. I don't think he's pursuing me. But what if he is? What if God brought you to church today for a reason? That sort of thing happens all the time. In fact, in Acts chapter 8, we see an example of a divine encounter. It all begins with a man named Philip. Philip was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. You don't hear about Philip as much as Peter, John, and some of the other disciples, but in Acts chapter 8, here's what it says. It says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he did. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen. Now, this is a little awkward, but people will ask me, what's a eunuch again? I'll get this question. Eh, what is that again? I don't really remember. And I'm not going to go into details here, but a eunuch was a person whose male parts had been removed, or at least some of them, and there was reasons why that would happen in the first century, but that's what a eunuch is. Said so the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. To be riding in a carriage like that in the first century was the equivalent of a CEO being chauffeured around in a Bentley today. In other words, this eunuch's life is really well off, except for the fact that he's a eunuch. That, that, that's a bummer. <laughs> Everybody's got their cross to bear, right? This is just his. He had to just, everybody has something. But, but his life was pretty good. And maybe you look at your life today and you think the same thing. You're like, you know what? I'm happy. I've got friends. I've got family. I don't need Jesus. I don't need church. I don't need religion for any of that. But God had a different plan. Said the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. So he asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I when there's no one to instruct me? Little does he know that the guy walking next to his carriage has been with Jesus for three and a half years. So it says in the next verse, he begged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture that he had been reading was, and I'm going to read to you the passage of scripture in just a moment. But as I'm reading this, I want you to be thinking, who is this verse talking about? It's talking about a specific person. Who do you think that that person is? Keep in mind that the book of Isaiah was written about the year 740 BC, and it's in the Old Testament. Here's the verse that he was reading in the carriage that day said he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. 
A little bit later in that same passage, it says he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we may have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. Who who do you think it's talking about? Well, it's talking about Jesus, right? If you're ever in church and you get asked a question that you don't know the answer to, and you're like, just say Jesus. You'll be right 60% of the time. And the other 40% of the time, you can shame them and go, well, it should have been Jesus, okay? (laughs) But it's so clearly Jesus that for years, critical scholars, scholars who did not believe the Bible was God's word, they would say, well, Isaiah must have been written after Jesus died. There's no way it was written B.C. It must have been written after his death because how else could it so accurately predict how Jesus would die and the purpose of his life? That is until 1949. In 1949, a shepherd was exploring some caves near Qumran in Syria, and he found a bunch of ancient scrolls. Among those scrolls were full copies of the book of Isaiah, the oldest of which was carbon dated to 125 BC. That means that those verses that I just read to you were written at least hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And yet they accurately predict how he would die and who he was. I'm telling you, the Bible is a supernatural book. But the eunuch didn't know that yet. And so he turned to Philip and he said, was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So Philip began with this same scripture and then used many others to tell him the good news about Jesus. And that's what I want to do today. I want to tell you the good news about Jesus. In order to understand the good news about Jesus, you have to understand the bad news first. Here's the bad news. All have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. Now, I don't think any of us would really argue with that. Unless you think you're the one sinless person other than Jesus, most of us would go, yeah, I've sinned before. But this is where we start to get a little bit shaky. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. A wage is something that you earn. It's something that you deserve. He says the wage of our sin is death. Physical death, but spiritual death and separation from God as well. And this is where we get a little fuzzy because we think, well, I'm a good person. I've got good intentions. I mean, come on. Nobody's perfect, but God is perfect. And in God's perfection and justice, he has to punish sin. The wages of sin is death. And here's the good news. When we were utterly helpless, and we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. We have been made right with God by the blood of Christ. He will save us from God's judgment. Jesus Christ never deserved to die. He had lived a sinless life. He had not earned the wage of death, but he voluntarily chose to die to pay the penalty that our sins deserved so that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. We are not saved by being a good person. We're not saved by avoiding the so-called big sins. A person is saved. A person has eternal life when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, have you done that? 
Has there been a moment in your life where you put your faith, your full trust in Jesus Christ? In just a moment, I want to lead you in a prayer if you haven't done that. And I know it's a little different and a little strange to pray in the middle of the service. But as I thought about this, I thought, you know, if there was a person in my life who had never had a chance to pray and to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I would just regret not giving you that opportunity. I really believe that for some of you, this is your divine encounter. For some of you, this is the reason why God brought you to church, to hear the good news about Jesus Christ and to respond. And so I'm going to invite all of us right now just to close your eyes for a moment. And I want to lead us in a prayer. And God, if there's someone here today and this is their divine moment, this is their divine encounter, they're just going to pray quietly with me in their own mind. God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. God, I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. I believe that he did that to pay for my sins. And so right now, God, I ask that you would save me. God, I need you in my life. And right now in this moment, God, I am putting my full faith, my full trust in Jesus Christ. We pray that in his name. Can we just take a moment and congratulate anybody who prayed that prayer? Now, I want to go back to our eunuch friend because he did what you, some of you just did. He heard the good news. He responded, and here's what it says. It says, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. I'll go get my swimsuit, towel back home, wait here for an hour, I'll come back. Doesn't say that. He says, you know what? Yeah, there's some water over there. I suppose I could get baptized, but you know, I don't know. It's kind of a hassle. I'll, maybe five, ten years from now, maybe I'll do it. He doesn't say that. He says, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Notice that right after he put his faith in Christ, he was immediately baptized. And that's the question I want to ask you today. If you are an adult who's put your faith in Christ, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, What's preventing you from being baptized today? The symbolism of baptism is powerful. When you go under the water, it represents a washing away of your sins. As you come up out of the water, it represents the new life that we have in Christ. In other words, Jesus is saying, I will take your sin and I will give you new life. That is a good deal. My oldest son has started a shoe reselling business. He's only 14 years old, so when he started pitching this to me, I was a little bit skeptical. He said, Dad, I can make hundreds of dollars reselling shoes. I said, how are you going to do this? He said, well, you go on a website like OfferUp or Facebook Marketplace, you buy shoes, and then you can resell them on Goat, which is a different website where you have to be verified, it's more reputable. I said, if this is so easy, why isn't everybody doing it? He said, well, you got to know the market value. you got to know which shoes are underpriced and, and which ones you can sell for more. And you've also got to know what, what the fakes are because there's a lot of fake websites trying to sell you fake shoes. I was super skeptical. But this is a kid who will occasionally watch Shark Tank for fun and who recently told me it's way more fun to make money than it is to spend it. So I thought, you know what? Even if he loses all of his money, this, he'll learn something from this. So the first deal, he bought a pair of shoes, resold them for a $50 profit. 
I thought, lucky. <laughs> the second pair of shoes, he spent $200 of his own money to buy a pair of Yeezys, which is the Kanye West-designed shoe from Adidas. Right when we were picking these shoes up, I was a little bit nervous because we were meeting somebody in a parking lot. And the minute that their car pulled up, this guy had a whole bunch of friends with him in the car. The door opened and there was like a cloud of smoke that just followed him over to us. I'm like, oh boy. And so he comes over and we realize that the box is a little bit ripped. And when you're reselling shoes, that's kind of a big deal. We say, hey, the, the box is a little ripped. He's like, oh, I know. He's like, I tried to sell these shoes yesterday and I got jumped. I had to run to get away and they grabbed the box and it ripped a little bit. Thankfully, my cousin jumped out of the car to save me. Then he looked at us and he goes, but you guys seem great to work with. <laughs> and I'm in this moment, I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm in a parking lot and I'm a pastor at Eagle Brook Church, which is fairly visible and recognizable. And I'm standing here with $200 cash about to hand it over to this guy who's going to hand me a box in return. I mean, I'm looking around like, I'm going to be on TMZ tomorrow. I mean, I, I'm going to, someone's got their phone out. This is the end of my career. But my son took those shoes that he had paid $200 for, resold them for $305, made a profit of $105. That was a good deal. Is it too crass to say that Jesus offers us a good deal? You know, maybe your box is a little torn today. Maybe there's a relationship in your past that ended and it felt like your heart was a bit ripped. Maybe there was someone in your life who was important to you and, and now they're no longer with you. And you feel like a piece has been torn away. Maybe there's some sin or guilt in your past that you carry with you and you think there's no way God could ever forgive me for this. And I'm telling you, Jesus wants to take your sin. He wants to take your guilt. And in exchange, he wants to give you new life in Christ. He wants to bury your sins in a watery grave. There are other religious leaders out there who will say, oh, you should follow me. But beware, there's some fakes. Only Jesus Christ authenticated his message as the son of God by resurrecting back to life. Now, you might think, well, I was baptized as an infant. I mean, what? I don't know that I need to do it again. And I always say that parents who baptize their kids as infants, they have the best of intentions in mind. They, they want their kids to come to know God. But I also need you to know that in the New Testament, there's not one example of a baby being baptized. The pattern was always the same. People believed and then were baptized. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 8 again. It says, the people believed Philip's message concerning Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed, and after that was baptized. Notice that belief always preceded baptism. And this belief or this faith, it's not your parents' faith. It's not your priest's faith. It's not your pastor's faith. It's your faith. Don't bank on an infant baptism as your ticket to heaven. That would be tragic. Now, some people say, well, do you have to be baptized to be saved? And the answer is no. We're saved through faith in Christ. But whenever I hear someone say that, I get a little concerned. Because essentially what we're saying is, hey, God, thank you for dying on my behalf. Thank you for going through a brutal death. 
But when it comes through the first thing you're asking me to do, I think I'll just take a pass on that. Don't wait. You don't have to clean up your life and then come to God. You can come to God and let him clean up your life. He wants to meet you in that water. He wants to heal you and restore you and renew you and cleanse you and forgive you. He wants to reassure you of his love and set you on a whole new course and direction in your life. Today could be your divine encounter. Just like the eunuch who woke up that day with no idea how God was going to pursue him. God may have brought you to church today for a reason. Don't miss that moment. That's what happened to Luke and Crystal last year. I want you to see a little bit of their story. When I met Luke, I definitely liked the bad boy in him. But I feel like I always seen a different side of Luke. I've always seen the good in him. Always. That's why when he went through this whole thing, I always told him that he was going to be something great. My name is Luke. I'm 32 years old. I've been married to Crystal for 13 years. We have three wonderful kids. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Uh, as a kid, I got in a lot of fights, got in a lot of trouble. As I got older, I was into selling drugs and using drugs. Just rough around the edges, man. Best way I can describe it is just, I was not a very nice person. Uh, in 2016, my father passed away. That's where my darkest point in my life was at. It's just on a deep, dark spiral. Drinking, using drugs on the constant. It got so bad to the point where I'm a 170 pound guy that I weighed 115 pounds. I didn't eat for days on end. I was always up all the time, just doing anything I could to feel numb. I was numb to my family, my kids, I mean, nothing mattered. It was just about destroying myself. I felt like I was better off dead than my family having to be around me. I don't give up on people. I grew up with people that gave up on each other. And I would tell myself, if I'm gonna be with him and dedicate myself to this person and grow a family with him, we were gonna make a totally different family than what we both had. And it was hard. At the time, I was pregnant with our daughter, trying to have both boys and then a full-time job as well. It was very hard. But I knew that I wasn't gonna let his story end this way. And so like when he took this turn for his worse after his dad had passed away, that was my time to pull him in no matter how hard it was gonna be. I honestly don't know how she made it through it, uh, but Crystal kept our family together. She kept my kids at bay of what was going on. I imagine, you know, she was a wreck watching the man she fell in love with destroying himself and there's nothing she can do about it. She just had to watch me deteriorate. So my turning point came in 2018, I was arrested for a controlled substance charge. I found myself sitting inside of a jail cell and I knew it was time to change. I didn't know what I was gonna do, but I just knew I had to turn something around or else I was gonna end up in jail for the rest of my life or even worse, being dead. After he got out of jail, I went to the mailbox and I seen that there was a Christian treatment center brochure. And I said like, hey, this came for you today. And he said that he was gonna look into it and I said, I really hope you do because you can't keep doing this to me. You cannot keep doing this to your kids or yourself. Like it's not fair to any of us and it's definitely not fair to yourself. 
The very next day, he made an appointment with Grace Counseling, and then his sobriety started from there. And now he's been sober for two years. I thought that getting sober would be enough to change my life, but I still felt like something was missing. And I don't remember when it was, but uh, I was driving by Eagle Brook, Lionel Lake campus, and I remember just staring over while I was driving past. I'd never attended church at all, so I was like, let's see what this church is about, maybe something I'll like. And I remember going to the first service, and it's like it just grabbed me by the throat, like, hey, listen here, man, here's the message for you. This is, this is what you need in your life. And it felt like they were talking right to me. And I was like, this, this is the place where I need to be at. I just knew it in my heart. This is where I'm gonna start out fresh. Church felt like home to me. It felt like a safe haven. And I remember sitting down telling my wife that I need to change. And I think this is a change that I need to make. So I wanna see if she wanted to attend with me. I seen how excited he was about it. He would come home and tell me things that he would learn there. He would read me verses from his Bible and so I could see the transformation that he was making. And I thought like, you know what? Like you guys are a team, like try this out. And we started attending with our family. My kids started loving it. And slowly and slowly, you know, we start getting more involved and uh, actually trying to practice what we're hearing. And then seeing how much it changed our life and it changed our kids' life. It was from disbelief to belief. Just that fast, that quick, you know, God's got a plan for me. Um, it took me a long time to realize that. And every day, I know he's there with me. Last year, there was a big snowstorm, so we decided to just stay at home and watch the baptism service online. We were sitting at home watching the service. I'm watching all these people getting baptized, and I just felt this nudge on me, like, man, you know what? You need to go do this. You need to go get baptized. It was a divine moment for me, and I felt like I want to go today. Luke looked at me and he said, I feel like I need to do this. And I was like, yeah, we've talked about doing this. And he's like, no, I mean today. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And Luke's like, we're doing this? And I said, we're doing this, let's go. So we're sitting on the couch in our pajamas, started up the car, ran to it, <laughs> just like we just got out of bed. We got there, the end of the nine o'clock service, and they told us that we'd be the last one they would wait. So we got changed in our clothes, we headed back there and got baptized. I remember this uh, great feeling of me walking down the hallway to go to the pool and just me leading my family into something great. Like I knew it was the right choice. You just felt it. it was the right thing to do. And I remember seeing everybody there applauding us. And when we were all in there together and after, you know, they dunked us, and I remember us holding on to each other. And that, that, just that squeeze, and that moment of all of us holding each other tight like that, it, it just was a beautiful moment, you know? You can't get more <laughs> magical than that. It took me a long time to get to a point where I could believe in Jesus, but that was one of the best decisions I've made for me and my family. I didn't know how I was gonna feel, but I remember going down and then coming out and feeling completely different. Uh, I remember looking at my family and just the smiles on their face and the expressions they had, it's like they were happy too. I felt like the next step in my faith was to get baptized. And then after that, it just started this great new path. 
it opened up a new door for my family. At first it was me focusing on me, trying to get myself right. Then it finally came to a point to getting my family right, getting them on the right path. With all the destruction that they've seen, it, this is the way life's supposed to be, not the way we were living before. It was the best decision we've ever made.